It's Monday, September 14th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me today, Mr. Bill Barker. Good to see you. Good to be here. It's the NFL's opening weekend, and we are going to talk a little bit about what happened this weekend through the lens of business, but it is it is not just Merger Monday, it is M&A Monday. We got deals happening out there, and we're going to start we're going to start with the biggest one just in terms of raw dollar amount. NVIDIA is buying fellow chipmaker Arm Holdings from SoftBank. This is a cash and stock deal worth $40 billion. And I am assuming NVIDIA got a decent price because shares of NVIDIA are up 7% on this news. Uh, yeah, shares of NVIDIA are up, uh, although the SoftBank uh, ADR is up as well. Uh, SoftBank perhaps needs the money uh, after you know recent missteps in some of its investments. Uh, longer story is still a very positive one, uh, but uh, given what may have been occurring with some of their options plays, uh, we, we don't really know, but it seemed to have uh, perhaps affected the market. Perhaps SoftBank uh, lost some money on that, but this was a property that they could get uh, get their money back on uh, a little bit more than their money. I think they bought it for thirty one billion. I want to say something like that about four years ago. Probably invested some money into it along the way. I'm sure they did. Uh, so, uh, you know, getting forty billion today is something they seem to. Uh, need or at the very least want, uh, but the market is treating their uh, ADR here in the U.S. Uh, positively. I agree with absolutely everything you said, with the exception of your use of the word "perhaps," as in perhaps SoftBank needed the money. No, they needed the money. <laughs> for for anyone who followed the whole WeWork debacle, and I think that's its official name, the WeWork debacle. I, this when I saw this story this morning, uh, this morning. Uh, I sort of did a double take. I'm like, wow, that's like, and then as soon as I saw, oh, SoftBank owns Arm Holdings. I was like, oh, okay, yep. Now I understand why this deal is happening um, at this price. And and yeah, I mean, this this seems like something where uh, you know, all joking aside, there is uh, optimism that there's not going to be any regulatory issues for Nvidia, and that uh, this is a good deal at a good price. Well, there's optimism about that. I don't know whether that optimism will be fulfilled because uh, there are, I think, some, uh, at least uh, on the arm holding side, that would uh, are urging some caution about this. I think one of the uh, former founders or one of the founders is no longer, I think, affiliated with the company. Uh, doesn't like the look of this. Thinks that it'll cost uh, jobs in in the UK. Uh, which is possible. I, he would know far better than I would. But it's a deal. We focused on the SoftBank side before. Now, to the NVIDIA side, it's it's a win-win. If SoftBank uh, needs the money, they win on that. NVIDIA combining their uh, chip excellence with uh, the arm-holding design, uh, which they have. They, they've got a sort of a, a Place in every mobile device there is, more or less, and that's uh, something that Nvidia is likely to be able to do a lot with. And uh, I think uh, it's a stock uh, which has been on fire this year. It's doubled, I think, from uh, its January prices, and uh, you know, longer term. 
is is an even better story than that. So I think this is a, a marriage which seems to make a lot of sense for NVIDIA shareholders. Shares of Oracle are up more than 5% on the news that Oracle has won the TikTok sweepstakes. Uh, they are not buying TikTok. Instead, Oracle will become TikTok's technology partner in the US. Oracle gets a stake in the business and is going to provide TikTok with cloud infrastructure. I understand why this stock is moving up, because the more I think about this partnership, the more it makes sense to me than if Oracle simply bought TikTok outright. And I think that's, you know, that's something that I think I and a lot of other people have had a little bit of a challenge wrapping our head around with with the whole, well, TikTok needs to sell its US operations to someone. And then you see the names coming forward, whether it was Oracle or this partnership between Walmart and Microsoft. It's not to knock the people at those businesses. They got smart people at all of those businesses. But it still sort of seemed like, okay, wh- what? how is this going to work if you buy TikTok? What is it going to do to the product? Um, how are you going to like all of those obvious questions? As opposed to, hey, this is a partnership. We're going to take a stake. We're going to give you our cloud infrastructure. This one makes a lot more sense to me. Well, uh, having said that, uh, at least let's acknowledge that there are just different questions. Like, what is this partnership exactly? Uh, that is not spelled out in any great detail here. It may be a win-win-win, uh, a win for TikTok slash China uh, that didn't want to look like they were going to accept being forced uh, into a sale. Uh, it appears to be a win for Oracle, which needs uh, something to juice its growth. It's it's surrounded by a lot of entities uh, in the tech space that are growing far faster than Oracle's sort of low single-digit uh, revenue growth and and really uh, declining growth in several uh, or you know declining revenues in several of the last few quarters, uh, and also is going to be if approved um, is going to be cited by the administration as a win for fulfilling uh, their desires, whatever exactly they were. So we're still going to need some more information out of this, aren't we? Yes, we got a lot of questions. What does this technology partnership mean if it is not an ownership stake? Uh, having TikTok, TikTok use, you know, your cloud. Uh, okay, that's that's a thing. They've they've they're very fast growing. They they're going to need um, more and more services from Oracle. Uh, but I do think that that there are additional questions about does this satisfy the actual stated or or you know whatever the actual desires of the administration are and of course people are raising a lot of questions about whether oracle uh has been able to get uh you know more approval or conditionary approval at this point uh based on the relationship between the ceo and, and the president and how much money is involved i mean to the point you made earlier we don't know how big a stake this is we don't know how much Oracle is paying. And if it were an outright acquisition of the US operations, presumably we would get that number. Um, and then we'd probably have a better sense of how to judge this deal. So it, it you know, I, I think broadly 
directionally, this makes more sense than an outright acquisition of the operations. That being said, yeah, there is. <laughs> we could come out in a couple of days and find out an amount of money that collectively we all go, oh wow, Oracle paid that much. That that really seems like an overreach. Uh, or or they're being paid some amount. We we just don't we don't know. We don't know what this partnership amounts to. Uh, I think it at least buys TikTok uh, some time and a claim of goodwill efforts to uh, meet you know the conditions that had been imposed upon it uh, and whether whether this goes through I you know I, I think there are a couple more chapters uh, before this one wraps up well let's get to uh, a deal with more concrete details Gilead Sciences is buying immunomedics for 21 billion dollars. Immunomedics makes treatments for cancer, and the stock has doubled. So, if you're an Immunomedics shareholder, congratulations, you're having a great day because the stock is up 100%. But, and this is something you and I chatted about a little bit this morning, Gilead Sciences shelling out $21 billion, that stock is still up 3%. So, for anyone who thinks that maybe Gilead overpaid? At the moment, the market disagrees with that. Yeah, if if you want to engage with somebody who's been saying uh, everything is too pricey, the stock market is too high, you now have uh, one additional data point to point to and say, you know, Gilead disagrees. It found something uh, which it's thought was a, a, a bargain at, at twice the price or, or a fair buy at twice the price. And uh, Immunomedics has got essentially a one drug, but it's very promising. It's been approved. It's, it's sort of been fast-tracked. Uh, I won't go through the, the science because I don't understand it, but uh, I saw in one article today that uh, the therapy, which uh, at this point, primarily uh, targets uh, a, a particular kind of breast cancer, and has been approved for treatment there. Uh, and and trials are still going on. It was it was sort of fast tracked um, from phase two, completed phase two, and and into a phase three. That the, um, the results were so good uh, and so important uh, that it was uh, you know treating such an aggressive form of cancer. That it could be fast tracked and approved, uh, you know, before the phase three trial was completely finished, and the hope is that it is an application which can be applied to additional type, uh, types of cancer, and it is referred to, at least in this one article that I read, uh, as as a type of quote smart bomb uh, for the cancer, so that rather than the, the kinds of treatment which are largely used, and even chemo, though chemotherapy is a better and more targeted uh, treatment today than it was 20 years ago, uh, this is a significantly uh, more specific treatment for the cancer and, and has, well, it has some side effects, uh, the, the uh, survival rates are, are much better uh, with this treatment. So, if you can apply that uh, across additional forms of cancer and, and that all holds, then, you know, Gilead has is, is got the scale. Uh, to make that happen um, faster than immunomedics could have on its own. The NFL season kicked off this weekend. Viewership was down a bit compared to the opening weekend last year. Um, only Kansas City and Jacksonville allowed 
a limited number of fans inside their stadiums. Uh, the rest were empty. And that may be why Anheuser-Busch InBev is cutting its property sponsorships by 25%. This is the paid branding that you see inside stadiums and arenas, you know, the, the Budweiser fan zone and, and that sort of thing. And we've talked about this for a while, certainly with Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Um, now is the time, if you are a large producer of beverages, to seriously put your marketing budget under the microscope, particularly if you are a beverage company that depends on live events. Yeah, uh, you're going to be able to uh, get back in and buy again later uh, at a better price, I think. Uh, and one of the problems that Anheuser-Busch has is with the decline of beer sales, and particularly the leading you know, names, uh, Budweiser, Bud Light, uh, and needing to be in other parts of the market, including craft beers and including hard seltzers and including uh, even wine now for, for uh, Anheuser-Busch. Uh, you know, really their budget being targeted around Bud uh, and, and just a very few names, they, they have to be in, in other places where the Bud name it doesn't get them any business. Um, so their advertising budget needs, I think, an, an overhaul. They're an outstanding company in terms of thinking about advertising. I can remember being at a Anheuser-Busch presentation many years ago. I've mentioned that before, where the CEO got up and rather than talking about this is how much we're going to grow, uh, this is this is our strategy. He basically started by showing a bunch of Super Bowl commercials. That that, that was essentially here's our business. We make great Super Bowl commercials. Invest, and by the way, that was working back then. Um, you know, you don't have the same loyalty. You still have a hell, a hell of a lot of loyalty to beer brands, but there are new people coming into the market, younger uh, kids. They're not being raised uh, on beer uh, for their college drinking a lot of the time, and if they are, it's not on Bud. By the same token that they should all be looking at their marketing budgets, they should also be looking at the hard seltzer market. Uh, just based on what I've read, based on watching uh, the next generation of my extended family, yeah, hard, hard seltzer uh, acquisitions should absolutely be in the works for all of these uh, large producers. Yeah, and so given that, uh, you know, we were we were chatting earlier today about an article uh, covering this that you sent me, uh, which uh, has some quotes by... Uh, Shout out to uh, Sports Business Journal. Uh, yeah. Always, always a good uh, source of news. The Anheuser-Busch InBev, Vice President of Partnerships, Beer Culture, and Community. And what a, what a cool job, you know, to be Vice President of Beer Culture. I would just condense the whole thing, you know, and when you're at parties and you're meeting people... You say I'm vice president of beer culture, but you know his job may not be as critical in the near future as the vice president of uh, hard seltzer culture, if there is such a culture. You seem to know more about it than I do. Uh, I don't, although I was, I'm just sort of chuckling because I think we've all 
whether we know someone with this title or we've just read a business article where it's like, oh, VP of partnerships. Yep. Seen that. Seen that plenty of time. VP of community. Yep. Seen that plenty of times as well. Beer culture. Now I just want to know, like, wait a minute. Did you come up with that name? Was that a job that was posted and you applied for it? Or are you the one like, this is what my title is going to be? And I don't have a strong opinion either way. I just want to know. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's where uh, the title comes in handy. Uh, but of course, in uh, we we jest, but of course, for Anheuser Busch, it makes a lot of sense to have somebody who is focused on uh, beer culture, expanding it uh, when possible, and reacting to what is, I think, a, a declining beer culture uh, across society. At least, at, as as we both have mentioned what the kids are drinking these days uh illegally you know pre-21 but they're still drinking and uh it's not beer as much as it was uh back in my day i say my even though i'm no real not really any older than you but you just you never got sucked into the beer culture you're 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 not a beer drinker not a beer drinker never developed a taste for it um i was saying right before you joined uh, the zoom call that my experience watching football this weekend, I felt a, a, a bit of disconnection uh, watching games that are in empty stadiums. And the only thing I, I can liken it to is times when I've watched sports that are happening in other countries. There's just some in, you know undefinable disconnect that I feel in that case because of the distance but in this case it was just it was just a little weird watching games with no fans in the stands it's not to say i i won't try to get used to it because it was nice to watch football again but uh but that was my experience did you get a chance to or you were probably watching that that epic uh, us open championship i, I assume that is why uh, viewership was down 11% year over year was because of the uh, final men's final of the us open Went five sets. First time it's gone to a tiebreaker in the fifth set of the final of, of the men's. So, uh, yeah, I mean, America is still uh, still talking, still trying to trying to recover uh, from from the massive adrenaline expense, uh, you know, that everybody went through. So, well, and not just a fifth set tiebreaker. Am I correct that history was made that it's the first time in the men's final that someone has been down? two sets to zero and came back to win uh it may be in the uh, open era in the open era okay uh that's possible and i I mean that that, uh had happened well in the semi as well but uh yeah it's 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 a rare event and uh exciting kind of exciting i mean the, the tiebreaker was not the best tennis that either of these guys played during the match uh but uh is it possible they were tired (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> After four and a half hours, uh, yeah, very possible. So I didn't see that much football, and um, I mean, one of the reasons for that was that the uh, my Eagles were playing um, some football team from Washington, and uh, I, that's their name, right? Yes, the Washington S- football team. Some football team from Washington. Yes, and. Uh, yeah, the Eagles uh, frittered away an early lead and. I don't know. Glad, glad I'm not listening to Philly Sports Talk Radio today because there, there's a lot of hostility going around there. I'm sure. 
That sounds like fun. Let's let's wrap this up and then uh, then we <laughs> turn on w- turn on WIP. <laughs> uh, Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. This show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.